1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Big Picture Skiing Podcast. On today's show, you're going to meet Demelza Clay. Now, with her, a list of of things and talents, Demelza is a heli ski guide, a former demo team member. She's uh, been a race coach, uh, ski school manager. She's uh, been a been a surf coach, like traveling the Maldives with world class surfing breaks. This lady is extremely talented. And we're lucky to have yeah. her on the show. Sam, what did you really enjoy about this episode?
0: My favorite part was definitely Demelza's tips for younger people in the industry and how they can kind of get past that, that, you know, this isn't the real world syndrome that a lot of people get. You know, if you if you love skiing and you see yourself being a, in the ski industry forever, you know, some people like they, they get hounded by say friends, family with the whole like, um, well, it's not the real world. And Demelza has lived like... <laughs> the sickest life and continues yeah. to live the sickest life. And she just laid out like some incredible just tips and just rawness around how to sustain yourself in this crazy, in this crazy world that we live in, like, which is the ski industry. I, I just thought it was so cool to hear her perspective. Cause as you said, like her, you know, her resume is just so long and, um, and she's done everything to such
1: a high level. It's, it's yeah, just amazing. Yeah, I would agree. On top of that, I think it was, it's interesting to hear her take on coaching and her focus with people on moving towards something instead of away. So you'll, you'll learn more about that. But I think many of us focus on the, the negative stuff, like don't, don't skid, don't get backseat, don't do this instead of what, sh- what you should be thinking about is the is the positive or the things you're moving towards to change that. So I really enjoyed her, her discussion on that. Now from both Sam and I, a really big thank you to everyone who's been following, listening to the show, being uh, involved and follow Big Picture Skiing. We're really privileged and very uh, grateful that you follow us and really enjoy the content. It's been an amazing journey so far. Now it's, it's really exciting. We've actually got Demelza joining the Big Picture Academy as one of our coaches for the exact reasons you'll hear in the show. Sam, let's just get yeah. into this episode and hear more from Demelza. Demelza, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
2: Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Great. Hey, so my first question is you you had quite a break from ski coaching. Like you were involved in the ski industry for a long time in different areas in uh, ski instructing, ski instructor training, race coaching, heli skiing, Managing all those different areas, and then you then you took a break, and you're now sort of more back involved teaching again. <laughs> uh, what what was the reason for having a break? Yeah, from from the the job and and career you loved.
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, um, gauging by the number of things you just listed that I was very heavily involved in at the time, I think I was just. I think I was pretty maxed out. You know, at one point, I remember when you and I were doing Interski Together, I was working over here in Canada with a big heli-ski operation, wearing a backpack, skiing on fat skis and clocking up a few million vertical feet of powder every season. And then i go back to Australia where I was, you know, a demo team member, uh, instructor training, the kids' ski school director you know, uh, and then I put the skinny skis back on and I got to get back into that world. And so there was these um, huge polarities between what I was doing and I was loving it, you know, getting into um, into guiding over here was um, just an incredible way to really refresh myself in the industry. I'd already been working in um, Telluride, Colorado for about six or seven years and and I guess just to take it back further one step, you know, I got into the ski industry just after I finished my, my degree at university, just thinking, oh, yeah, this will be fun, you know, do three or four seasons because my brother was into it at the time and he, um, you know, he said this could be something fun to do after university. But then before I knew it, 10 years later, I'd been going back to back and I still really hadn't taken a break. So I had all these other um things that I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to learn to speak Spanish. I wanted to do some traveling that, you know, what it's like when you're going back to back, it's four months on and then two months off and then four months on and two months off. And it's such a a gifted life, you know, um, what we're able to do uh, in those years, I think, of our life when, when we can do it. But I was just getting tired, you know, so actually it was just after interski time, you might remember this, but I shipped all my stuff back home to Canada, all my skis and I went to go and live down in the south of Spain in Andalusia and I went to Spanish school with, um, you know, every day, <laughs> five days a week and I decided I was going to learn to speak Spanish. So that was the first um, like break that I like sabbatical, almost professional sabbatical that I decided to, um, to take from the industry. But um, I guess a few years after that, then I was just living full time in Canada, I decided not to come back to Australia, because those are pretty um, long years, 240 days on the snow every year, especially um, in the way that I was, was doing it.
1: And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, just like on that, on that tangent, because some listeners will resonate with that. Some won't these back-to-back winters that, that we've done. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What would you say the, like the, the top kind of two, maybe three challenges with going back and forth, obviously it's great things. You're skiing nearly like two thirds of the, like two thirds of the year, but yeah. What did Mm -hmm. you find were the, were the main challenges to those back-to-backs?
2: I think things have changed a little bit now, but, and I think in the ski instructing realm, it depends on your level of certification, but, you know, visas can be a big challenge. So um, work permits where you can work, where you can't work, Um, Mm. living, you know, the cost of living, accommodation. I was uh, living in Whistler at the time um, and, you know, uh, my partner and I, we had a house, so I was lucky, but I know it's not like that anymore. and I think that's I just received two or three calls from um, children of friends who have come over from Australia and they're over in some of these larger resorts. They have jobs but they have nowhere to live. So I think that's one of the major that's, things playing out today. That was always yeah. stressful,
1: wasn't it? like you're you're like, <laughs> okay, you maybe get secure something for two years, but then, that family's like, sorry, we can't, our our niece is coming back and so they need the room. And then suddenly yeah. your accommodation that you were kind of, oh, cool, I've got something set. Nope, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really stressful. Tell,
2: Telluride, was, Telluride was one of the most amazing. I, I would go back there in a heartbeat. So if anyone from Telluride is watching or listening, I'm, I'm going to come knock on your door soon. But my first few seasons there, I think the dollar was – you know, hovering around 50, 60 Australian cents um, or the other way around. Yeah. And and anyway, so we went out. You just had to go, like online was a thing. You can go and look up things on the internet, but it was mostly just the, the newspaper and zooming in on the ads to see if we could find accommodation. So I had three or four friends who were all looking for rooms and or a whole house. And they said to us, okay, you want the house for four months, you have to pay first, second, last and deposit. And it worked out to be like $48,000 US dollars. Wow. Okay. The thing is we're ski instructors and we've been making all these long distance calls. I mean, all that has changed now. And um, I think that is one of the most beautiful things about getting into the industry as a young person is you learn these skills of survival. You know, you're traveling without your parents. You are, you're working, you have to be really professional, um you know it, the the landscape has changed but i think um and the number of people that you meet every single day you might meet 50 people if you're doing group lessons and you have conversations as an 18 19 to 25 year old or something as as you're getting started with 50 different people on the chairlift so you learn some serious people skills you know i think that's yes. one of um yeah one of it's the de- really definite, great things that come definitely yeah
1: definite positive any anything yeah. else what about like um the amount of time did you ever find you were just over being on snow all the time ski boot discomfort
2: yes yeah yeah
1: that was another <laughs> yes. thing you didn't miss when you started
2: Def- when you stopped, yeah sorry. when I stopped, yeah, so I guess fast forward yeah i i I left Whistler and I went home to live in Australia because I had not lived in Australia since the year 2000 for any longer than those two months, Uh, you know, aside from being up at the ski resort, but um, that expat life. And I thought, wow, Australia sounds pretty good. And and I'd really gotten quite heavily into surfing and it just had started to take over um, everything. And I grew up skiing. Uh, I'm from Milua, uh just in the foothills of, of Mount Hotham and super um, lucky to have had that experience. And uh, as I got into doing back-to-back seasons, I just found that surfing was the perfect way to kind of balance my body out. Skiing was all about <clears throat> my lower, my lower body and my core. And then surfing became all about my arms and the water and being in tropical places so I honestly I just wanted to go home and and feel Australian for a while and, and go surfing and try and figure out where those next steps might be you know as, as you said I'd kind of done all these really amazing things um, you know heli guiding and being on the demo team and <clears throat> and everything but I couldn't understand why sometimes I'd get out of the helicopter on top of some of the most amazing mountains in BC and I'd just be thinking, I need to get home. I want to get home. I want to get out of these boots. Um, And yeah, I want to get to a beach somewhere. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people in the ski industry don't understand if you don't do back-to-backs. It's it's challenging to keep that stoke going. You know, when you have just finished a winter in Australia, pardon me, (laughs) and you turn up, in Canada, and um, your friends who do one season, they're ready. You know, they've had summer, they've been biking, and 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 you're ready as well. Um, but I also think that um, you've probably heard of seasonal affective disorder. It's just that lack of sunlight throughout the year. I think that I was really starting to get a bit of a buildup of just just feeling a little low being in you know short days not a lot of sun contact on the whole body and now there's a lot more research and science and literature around that so i definitely feel a little bit more normal when i'm when i'm getting my summers in you know so mm. i think at the end of the day there's an expiration date to everything and it all just depends on the person you know how far you can go
0: The it it's uh, that seasonal affective disorder is pretty common where I live now in Sweden. Yeah. So, yeah. so I know all about it. Um, and I actually got a, another question as well. because, like, you know, just listening to you, you've done so much amazing things and you've kind of like, you know, you've uh, explored so much of the industry in so many different ways. And, you know, but I also think like a lot of young people who get in, into the ski industry, they see it as like a bit of like a, a gap year thing or like. And, and quite often you hear that term like, "Oh, are you going to go back to real life?" You know, you know, like that's mm-hmm. that's a really common yeah. thing to say. Oh, are you go back to real life, um, and you have at times gone back to real life, but you've also kind of returned mm-hmm. as well um, to the yeah. unreal life that we live, which is which is awesome. But I'd love to hear, like, what would your advice be to someone who is coming in and actually thinks, "Oh, maybe this is like the type of thing I want to do for the rest of my life." but they keep hearing from other people like, Oh, you know, back to real life or like, you know, it's time to get a job or whatever. Like what would you say to that person if you're going to give them advice?
2: I would say just keep on learning, you know, always look for opportunities and places where you can learn. So, um, you know, I think every single year that I was involved in snow sports, I was either sitting a, an instructor level, I was doing rookie trainer, I was learning to run courses, um, and then the heli-ski thing, pardon me, the heli-skiing opportunity, Um, you know, I got my foot in the door because I'm a level four. So that happened because of my involvement in the ski industry. Um, And the owner of this business over here happens to love the way that, professional ski instructors communicate with their guests, you know, so uh, I came on as an apprentice guide. And then I started doing all the guiding courses. And, you know, you think your level four is hard until you then, pardon me, have to go and do operations level one and uh, ski coaching, uh, ski guiding level one, and then the advanced, um, all of the, the equivalent things just and then after you do all these courses, you're you're a baby guide you're just an apprentice guide. It's like a whole new pathway and it really opened my eyes. And um, definitely before that happened, I thought I might almost get out of the industry sort of soonish because I was getting a little stale with, you know, Telluride Australia, TallyRide Australia. But if I could give advice to someone now, it's just keep on um, taking courses and learning. You know, if you're a ski instructor and you want to get into backcountry, um, go and do your um, AST. Find somewhere where you can learn um, about about snow safety. Be a professional. You know, I think that sometimes ski industries and ski resorts um, are a great place for people if they want to come and party. And obviously those things are fun as well. But if you are... If you understand that the ski industry is just one part of the outdoor industry and that it's all interrelated, what you do in this industry, it's not as though it's not going to affect the future for you. So the things that you're going to learn um in, in this industry whilst people are saying to you, oh, well, you know, like I had it too. When are you going to go out and do something with your degree? Well, I have a sports science degree, biomechanics, nutrition. I'm pretty sure I'm doing it <laughs> with my degree. But funnily enough, um, when I went to Maldives um, on a surf trip, it was my, um, you know, instructing professionalism and my ski guiding um, sense that helped me learn about the ocean. And then I was offered jobs on surf boats in Maldives. Right. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. I would just say, so- understand that things things flow from, from one to the other. And the ski industry is not an isolated little world, you know, yeah. like, that's right. In, in I love, Honoura. I love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just saying, like, a, that's right. Like, I love that term. Just keep learning. Like, like you uh, yeah. got a bit stale, <laughs> you know, in the in the back to back instructing seasons, and you found a whole yeah. a whole new world uh, right next door. Um, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I actually, I actually felt the same when I went from racing into instructing as well. You know, like, and yeah. then, you know, sometimes race coaches bag instructors and stuff, but actually, um, you know, I got so much out of it uh, as a as a skier. I would say just like referring to myself as a skier rather than just like a racer or an instructor or whatever. So, totally yeah. know what you mean there. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So,
2: I think that uh, what you just said you there, ahead. oh, sorry. Well, I think you would, what you just said there speaks to the second piece of advice that I'd give is just humility. humble. It doesn't matter if you are a guide or a race coach or an instructor. I've been all three of them, you know, at once. I've had Mm. all the uniforms in my car and it depended on the day of the the week that I'd cruise off to one job or the other. You know, um, we all work together and we create the industry. Sure, we work in different facets of the industry and I think there can be a little bit of um, snobbery and looking down on, on certain professions, but I think um, those those of us in the industry who understand that collaboration yeah. is the stuff of genius, then, you know, like you said, Sam, you know, you're an incredible skier. You've had incredible um, experience, you know, racing, but you totally love the instructing experience. I mean, that's, that's cool. And you obviously weren't listening to those around you who might have been saying, ah, oh, bloody instructors, they just, you know whatever they do, whatever the stereotype is. So be humble, you know, and keep...
0: (laughs) I certainly wouldn't be sitting here right now um, if I didn't (laughs) get into it and then then meet Tom and have Tom as my uh, instructor examiner. So you're totally right.
1: (laughs) Now, hey, so Demelza, like you, the period, I'm talking about like the, the years that you kind of developed and and then became like good enough to get jobs in all these different areas. It's a very different period in time to now, like now mm-hmm. technology definitely plays like bigger roles, even, even like you said, finding houses, that sort of stuff. You've got the internet versus back then I'm interested to hear your take. Cause so people know, Demelza has joined the Big Picture Skiing uh, Coaching Academy. So she's one of our coaches now. You've been coaching for a few weeks. What have you found is different and like kind of interesting now that maybe online technology has been brought into (laughs) your your ability to coach people on snow? What's what's your experience been like early on of doing that?
2: First of all, I've got to be completely honest. So, I've been watching what you've been doing on the sidelines, Tom, just through social media, what have you, and mutual friends, your name might come up and, oh, he's doing big picture skiing, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. I'm just going to go out and get barreled or, you know, whatever I was doing (laughs) in the meantime. And I I kind of knew in a sense that you were doing something online and uh, when I saw you last year and helped you out on snow, that was fun. Um, But I have to say... In the very short time I have been involved, I am completely blown away with the power of the online coaching platform that you've both built. I think the ability to communicate um, quite nuanced and precise uh, technique uh, aspects of skiing because you have this incredible video library that people, people can go back to. I think I've, um, you know, as you guys know, I've run a couple little uh, sessions and I've, I've been coaching people on the app and I feel like I've had to put way less effort into communicating what a person needs to do uh, and all of a sudden they're, they're doing it the next day. Like they're able to repetitively play my feedback a um, hundred times a day if they want. Whereas if you're on the snow, you've got to get their attention, make sure they're not cold You know, the the heavy lifting in the instruction used to be getting them out to a spot where you can get them videos, coaching especially, get some decent runs on tape, get them inside, do the video analysis, all the stuff that we do on the workshops, you know, standing up in the gym and looking at the skis and how the source that we get to do that all now um, without. Spending all that time on the snow, and look, the only bad part about it is that we don't get to ski with everyone, and that's that's obviously really fun. But I, um, yeah, I'm blown away with the with the outcomes that I have seen um, just in the short time I've been here. But then also some of your athletes that have been with you for multiple years, you've shown me some of their previous, yeah,
1: like like um, Chad skiing, uh, mm. Chad like, like Chad yeah, just so know, like like Chad's a ski patrol, unbelievable. And yeah. and Demelza, what's your thoughts on like? So Chad's been with us for like three three years, or he since, started out private start. coaching with me. Yeah, start, he's been from yeah. the start. He was like one of my <laughs> earliest like private uh, Zoom clients, and we we chat, and I'd send him some videos, and then he'd come back a month later, and here I've done this time, but yeah. now he's he's doing the academy. Yeah, what do you what do you think of the ski patrollers skiing? <laughs>
2: Well, I want to, I, I don't want to say anything about ski patrol. No, <laughs> I think it's awesome. I think he's obviously really motivated to, to, <laughs> he's really motivated to, um, to learn and, and there's no friction involved for him to do that with you guys. So he's out there doing his job. He's on snow. He's in his ski patrol outfit, ripping out these amazing javelin turns, doing these long turns that, you know, I swear you could put it on the website and they'd think it was... Black diamond
1: four line pumping the bumps like with huge... Yeah, and yeah. powder and... He's versatile. And we're
2: um, communicating really high-end, uh, like I said, nuanced uh, ski coaching feedback. To him um but all he has to do is get one of his colleagues to video him a couple times a day and he has um you know some of the best coaching that people have access to straight away so i think um, you can get those results when you have motivation um and a little bit of time because there's less friction he can sit there and look at those um, the, those pieces of feedback and the, the before and after videos or the side-by-side that you might give him of yourself and him, and he can look at it a 100 times, you know, that night. So, yeah,
0: yeah. mind-blowing, I yeah. think, anyway. I've actually got a question as well, because, you know, speaking of being blown away, like I was pretty blown away when I saw, like, your first Zoom sessions with the clients too because <laughs> – you know, you're, you're taking a different angle, like you took like the mental angle and so on. Um, and, and actually, before we touch on that, I just want to um, play on a point that you brought up, which was kind of the, the the ease and like the like how the the video is so effective and how effective it is. Um, it's mm-hmm. funny because you know before we started all this, an interesting thing was that Tom and I, I guess we didn't really connect the dots of what exactly it is to like what online coaching can be compared to like what the closest thing is in real life. And, and to me, the closest thing in real life wasn't necessarily the ski instructing. It's actually when a race coach coaches their athletes, because typically the coach goes up on the Hill. Like, I guess all three of us have done this, you know, you set a course your athletes skier, but there's not that much coaching happening on the Hill. Like they, they kind of know what to do. And typically you're filming all their runs. And then at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you go and sit down and then you uh, sit down and watch the runs with the athlete and that's where the real learning happens right you know you're you're going back you're going forward you're you're doing slow-mo and it's just funny how long it took uh for me and i guess like you Tom and stuff to kind of get past the idea that the coach doesn't necessarily need to be sitting next to you right you can actually do that online so it's so it's uh I thought that that was really cool, and then it's it's cool when someone like you comes in and has that experience <laughs> that we had as well, which is like, yeah. wow, like this this really works. It's it's just awesome. Um, so what
2: was that? Because you guys you mentioned the other day, Tom, that this was all building through the pandemic. You know, when you couldn't get on the snow anyway. So yeah, I want going to ask uh, you guys, like, what was that like when?
1: Well, you just first... you
2: discovered the power of this tool?
1: Yeah, well, I'd say the first thing was frustration honestly because I always had the freedom to go skiing if I wanted to and then suddenly well I lost the ability to have my other job which was as almost like a a, a therapist so I couldn't put hands on people mm-hmm. that was a blessing in disguise because then I had the I guess the guts to then take on this this new project but the first thing was frustration that I couldn't teach and do things the way I'd been used to doing it and get my fix of skiing however uh it was it was cool because i'd already started delving into these zoom or private sort of alignment sessions where people would uh, check out their body and 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 through skiing and and knowing about the body i was always very good at at analysis of how people move and so i got good at seeing that on a little screen and move this Mm -hmm. way that way show me how you twist oh that's Mm -hmm. a bit weird like you got this old injury here and so no that's what i thought
2: <laughs> that was my watch. Oops. <laughs> Theory. <Steering. laughs> so yeah,
1: I started I started combining these um these skills and then seeing how I could put that yeah through an, through an online platform and I was always sort of doing it one on one and then Sam came along and and we started to uh like realize actually in a group setting is 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 more powerful and uh I'm going a little bit off topic here so it's my way my brain's going around but but even that on that that group topic thing like that's amazing even yesterday hearing from one of the students leanne she was saying how because she made some good breakthroughs in in one of the tasks we've got at the moment that that she has to do i said what really helped like what was the cue and she said well it was these few cues but actually it was watching all the feedback of the other students that you were giving Mm -hmm. on them and so you're in this group environment as well that helps uh helps kind of give you more and these other perspectives on on someone else's skiing and you know maybe don't yeah. feel as bad cuz it's like feedback on their skiing not not tearing down mm-hmm. your own and anyway yeah. yeah so so i think um building building the library so we had backup info to as you're using to to refer like hey here's some more information on that topic and then and then figuring out how to not blab on too much get get your feedback in in a short form that's that's developed over time and been really good to the point where i prefer coaching online Mm. and i still even get a kick out of still being in in australia at times when people send videos of skiing and i can literally feel like i'm there imagining what they're doing and, and send something to them and then they send back a couple of days later an improved video that is like that's a rush. No uh, improved. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a that's a coaching yeah. rush. I think all coaches would agree. That's one of the best things yeah. about it is knowing that you've had an impact on their skiing. Yeah.
2: yeah. pretty and I think pretty go damn ahead. awesome. I was yeah. just
0: gonna say it's pretty awesome. Um Danelza, just quickly, I did want to ask you yes. about
1: the Zoom class.
0: Um your your Zoom class you did Oh because, yeah. Um, because you focused on like the mental game. And Mm -hmm. I've I've done a bit of that as well with the students, but, like, you did it in a really structured, organised way um, and, like, the feedback was so good um, and and (laughs) it was just awesome. And, I mean, I want to hear a bit more about your background with that. Um, You know, how are you so knowledgeable in in the area of, like, you know, mental skills and um, especially in, like, the athletic sense?
2: Sweet. So it actually sort of... uh... It's Following on from what you were saying, Tom, um, about group workshop environments, um, I, when I took um, the break from the ski industry, which was really only like three years in the end, um, but I started working for a registered training organization um, out of Melbourne. And of my because of my, my degree and my background in and she knew me from the ski industry so she knew that I could facilitate, she knew that I could speak um, and communicate and and work a room. And so I basically did her um, diploma of leadership coaching and mentoring. And, and this is a nationally recognized international coach federation training program, um, with fire up coaching. If you're interested to look them up there, she's really great. And she used to do a lot of the management training in, um, in Mount Hotham. And, and this is the, the the person that comes at the start of the season. And you've probably done it at one point, it was sort of like the fish training, but then it was more like, positive she's you know and she was like oh they just wanted me to do fish but she started rolling out all this like emotional intelligence and positive psychology and the catastrophic wiring concepts and and I said to her at the end of one one session when I was managing I'm like Kath what what is it that we're learning like I've been to university and studied psychology and this and that and she she's like oh you know it's uh, positive psychology they've just proven all these things and she offered for me to go into, and it was neurolinguistic programming as well. NLP used to be her um main, main game. Uh since all of those uh subjects or I guess um Uh, areas fields have been rolled into the skill of coaching but not athletic coaching they're involved in athlete coaching but more in professional coaching career coaching Um, so I went and did her qualifications so that I could come and work for her so I I, the class that I gave the other day I I sat that class you know with her giving it and I just remember sitting there thinking to myself oh my god like I got on the demo team I'm supposed to be one of the best like communicators and teachers and and you know in the country and I've been telling people what not to do for 10 years so I had one of those like moments where I was like this is this is incredible and I kind of started getting um curious about going back and so people know I'll just
1: quick, yeah so people yeah. know like the, the topic was sort of centered around the fact that people don't realize a lot of the time they are speaking to themselves negatively so they're going out and working their skiing and saying oh i'm not going to get back seat or i'm not going to skip yeah, down. lean the back. Turn. yeah yeah so it's, so it's focused on the negative and and that classic yeah. example of like well don't think of a pink elephant you can't not you have to think of it what first, are you thinking and then not of think when of when someone
2: it. says, yeah, "Yeah, yeah."
1: And so yours yeah, is centered so- around being being aware of that, and um, and, and then also for, for us coaches, right, Sam? It was like a really good reminder. It's like, yeah, early season. Let's keep that in our forefronts when we're yeah. giving feedback. Be careful it's of that.
2: Exactly, it's about change. It's about engaging change. I said to everyone at the start of that class, I'm like, what is it that we're doing right now? in big picture skiing, and, and we decided it's like we're here to change, we're here to evolve. So what we know now um, about our wiring, our catastrophic wiring, is that we like to stay focused on the things we don't want because that kept us alive for millions of years. There's a storm coming. That animal might eat me. Um, I'm leaning back. You know, I'm going too fast, you know. So we, we like you said, don't think of the pink elephant. Whatever you're thinking of will become where your attention Lies, and that's what you're essentially your experiential um, your experience is going to be around the pink elephant or leaning back. So, what are you going to do more of? You're going to lean back. So, uh, in a nutshell, so I, I learned all these things, and I just um, remember thinking, Oh, I really wish that I'd learned that uh, 10 years ago <laughs> in level one. And, and we do do a, like you know, all the ski instruction um, certification pathways do stuff on on learning and the phases of learning Um, but the the thing about our wiring and positive psychology and that the brain can actually change itself and we can create new neural pathways with intensive focus around it has to be intensive around the thing that we want is a fairly recently uh, established scientific fact we used to believe that the, the brain was concrete and you'd get to sort of a certain level of intelligence at a certain age. And then after that, it was just a downhill slide um, to the grave. So neuroplasticity was was um was confirmed in science. And, and so I started digging into all of that. And then before I knew it, I was facilitating these um professional workshops <laughs> to like Ambulance Victoria. I'm up there with um uh Queensland Health to all these you know, surgeons and doctors and registrars and, you know, C-level uh, staff and employees of these big organisations um, and delivering these workshops that wasn't about telling them how to do their job better. It was just telling them how, how they can think better and how we have flexibility with the way we're able to talk to each other in organisations. But then the way I apply it because we're sort of coaching ourselves all the time when we're skiing is the way that we talk to ourselves you know, if you're talking to yourself badly all the time. And then, yeah, when I went back, eventually I started doing a couple more courses for the APSI and it's classic. You can say to most, I think instructors tend to fall into this trap more than race skiers because race skiers have been taught differently to review their runs. And we'll talk about that in a sec, but I'll say to an instructor, tell me what your focus is with your skiing and they'll start listing it all. Oh, I lean back. Uh, My left hand is too high and I downstem on my left ski. Um, I rotate with my hips and and they'll tell you all the things they're doing wrong. And I will spend usually the first couple of days helping them um, reframing their talk. Okay, so if you weren't doing that, what would you be doing? Oh, and they had to think about it. They couldn't, you know, their knowledge and and the thing that they were moving towards and the solution for their issue was nowhere near as clear as the problem they had we're really right. really good at understanding and identifying problems it's a just our like, wiring like,
1: yeah like oh I spend too much money on on shopping and you know like what what are you trying to do this year oh, I'm trying to not spend as much money on this mm-hmm. And there's a classic example you're not focused on the thing you're moving towards, you're like, I'm just going to try yeah. and stop doing this habit. Same, same yeah. as skiing.
2: <laughs> With your kids, you yeah. know, don't, don't forget your lunch. Stop running around the pool, you know, and you'll notice yeah. um, signage in different countries is now utilising more of this move towards speech to elicit because it's very subconscious, you know, um, uh, walk slowly around the pool remember your lunch um, there's yeah there, there's you'll notice it like once you start right. learn a little bit about this, this wiring you see you see that, that the number of stop signs and don't do this because our subconscious mind just kind of takes it only really identifies the subject of what we're talking. so you put a do't in front of something the subconscious mind is going to be like don't think of the pink elephant you know
1: yeah. don't lean yeah. back.
2: Yeah. So uh, suppose- Sam, you'd probably relate to this. When I worked with, um, with the race skiers that I worked with, they're a lot better at doing this because they get coached. Um, they get coached anyway. So, you know, quite my conversations with race skiers are more like, tell me what you were doing between the first and fifth gate. Okay. So mm. I was doing this, it was going really well. Okay. And then what happened? Oh, okay. Well, I got a little bit back, but then I, so they have a, and all athletes do this. Like you'll listen to a athlete giving a rundown of their loss, maybe uh, where they mm. failed. You know, they they got second or they they didn't podium. They'll you'll notice that the words that they use and the way they'll review their own performance, they're they're not going to sit there and cane themselves. They're like, yeah, yeah, it was a really big learning experience, and. Uh, you know, we're definitely working on more uh, structure in my training, so I can blah 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 and move forward. Do you yeah. know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. For uh, for the successful athletes, that seems to be a common factor yes. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, t- totally. Um, I've actually got an interesting question for Tom, which relates to all three of us. But uh, you know, Tom, we were looking for a, uh, well, we've been discussing bring on extra coach for a while, right? Like the academy, it's been getting uh more popular each year. And, you know, at the same time, we also are conscious of the fact that we want to keep a really high quality program and and maintain that and, and so on and not not get overwhelmed ourselves. Like we want to be able to we always wanted to give people you know, the attention they deserve and so on. And you know, that did come down to us eventually we were like, okay, we need to bring on a, a new coach and you know Like there was so many times we were like, what do we, like an online ski coach, like we've kind of learned it on the go, but then it's hard to, to throw somebody in that, that deep end. Right. And then Tom, you said, uh, this is a few months ago. You're like, oh, uh, you know, Demelza, she's pretty awesome. Like I might have a chat with her. I want to know, Tom, like, what was it for you that, um, you know, made you drawn to Demelza as like someone who would, uh, eventually join us? Because, you know, we're hearing like all this awesome stuff Demel's has done. Uh, I want to hear like the the catalyst.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I think what you just mentioned there about understanding just how to coach well because in, in an online environment, you don't have much time, especially if you're giving video feedback. So I can't be there coaching someone how to do that and saying, can you please redo that again? Or this is how we do it. So I... I knew that she was, she was going to be really good at that. So the communication part was probably n- number one. She had skills, been in the industry a long time. I'd worked alongside her, skied alongside her in the, in the 2011 Australian demo team. So, mm-hmm. you know, I knew that when the, the, she put up a video, people would also, the, the visual people would look at it and go, wow, that's really nice and really dynamic skiing, uh, she had she had time, so she wasn't like managing a ski school or heli guiding. So so all those things kind of fitted together. And uh yes, yeah, so I think that that complete package. And then finally, I think it's great that we have a female coach in there. And I know uh, a lot of the ladies in the program really appreciate having some balance there. Uh, like I really believe balance in, in all the aspects of life is is just a great sort of thing to keep in the back of your mind. And that, that was a really, I mean, I think you agreed there as well. We, we weren't looking for another guy. We were looking for um, a female to help, to help with that. So those, those are the things and I, and yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. Very, very fast learner because the things that have been, you know, he, I know this is hard in online coaching, whatever, but you know, trying to do it this way. And DeMel's has been like woof, accelerated really fast, and people um, people are in, people enjoying it.
2: I'm glad that you've uh, reviewed my um, video feedback session or my recordings in a positive way because they were not a minute and a half at the start.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It is oh my hard. God. It just, I do love a chat.
2: I've been redoing these things. <laughs>
1: If you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years, and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns, and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain, and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? <laughs> yeah. But actually, can I
2: just... One one other thing I'd like to... You asked me that question at the start um, about the advice I'd give to people getting into the industry, and I think especially for women, is find yourself a mentor like female representation in the ski industry is super important and I think that there's a lot about it that is improving and I know for myself um it took me a few years until I really um understood that there was a path forward for me uh in doing this and I met um you know, Shelley Giles and Liz Thomas and then over here as a guide, you know, Leanne uh, Patterson, Lisa Corthals, Erin um, Heintzman, all these women that I was lucky enough to work um, alongside of. And, and, you know, they definitely put me through my, my paces, but they also um, just showed me that there was a way you could balance things like family, um, relationships Uh, because it's hard you know especially now I mean to your credit you guys have found a way to do what you love from you know Tom you're you're sitting there doing your workshops and I can hear the Australian birds in the background and I know you've just been for a surf (laughs) I think it's (laughs) unbelievable so you know um, really that is is such an incredible thing in itself but I think for any young woman that's getting into the business and they think, you know what, I think this is something I'd like to do. Find yourself another woman out there that is already doing it and just ask her Just be like, Hey, look, I, I think I just need some, some help. Can you mentor me? And I bet any money, she would just be chuffed to um, either help you with your skiing or, you know, the next job placement, where do you want to work next? You know, cause nowadays you know, the with academies, ski instructor academies, um, programs all around the world. I was working in Japan, and we had new hire instructors that I was I was hiring. Actually, I was on the on the boat in Maldives, literally paddling in to go and do a couple of um, zooms to hire new instructors. And some of these kids would have a level three uh, CSAA, but they've never taught a class. Um, and some of the kids, you know, that come over here, they've been hired by a big international agency. You know, it's different to when to when you and I um, started where you had to sort of know people, hey, I can get a job in, in Hinterglen oh, great, oh, Telluride, wonderful, you know. So I think just um, that concept of networking and, and really go for the job you want. If someone had tapped me on the shoulder when I was a little girl watching Warren Miller movies in the Cats nightclub, which is where they showed, you know, movies, in Mount Hotham in the Alberg in like the 80s, if someone had tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, see that red helicopter in that movie? You're going to end up working in that helicopter for that business. You're going to end up, that, that'll be you one day. I just would not have believed them in a million years, you know. But, um, mm. yeah, you, <laughs> you just have to go for it sometimes. You know, yeah. at the time when I got started, being an Australian um, in the heli world was rare, and being female was even more rare. And my colleagues were super fair to me. They were, at the start, I was a guest with a backpack, you know, and they let me know that. <laughs> and I had to prove myself. I had to work really, really hard, which is my other piece of advice. It's like, this is not going to come easy. You've got to work hard. Got to work really hard. If you mm-hmm. want to ski, like, tom or you want to be able to you know work in in uh, in switzerland like sam you've just got to put that work in and um and and go for it
0: yeah totally that's why um i actually don't work in, in switzerland I'm just here for for oh. the good times but um <laughs> but that's but that's also what thanks he's for working online right, must, like, his work. must, be nice. um,
2: must
0: be yeah, nice must be nice i mean it's awesome like i can come to verbia and and work hmm. um you know online for like uh the tom and and big picture and um and be mm-hmm. here because i love the place because like i really love it you know because it'd be it'd be very hard to us mm-hmm. um and i actually just want to touch on that because um i mean the representation is so important i mean first because Ski towns would be boring as hell without the ladies there as well, right? It'd be like <laughs> it would just be so boring, you know. But and, but you see it like it's so oh. so male dominated, especially in terms of yeah. the people that stick in the industry. Like there's like it really mm-hmm. teeters off, you know. There's a lot of females who come early on and and uh, you know they yeah. do level one and two, and then and then they don't stick around. A lot of guys do. And you know when mm-hmm. I was a kid, you you mentioned uh, Shelly Giles, and I remember Shelley super well because I remember when I was like 10 and below, I thought Shelly was so awesome. You know, and I'm talking like me being a little boy because Shelly was with was on the demo team, you know, with you guys, with my dad, and it had a huge impact to me as a kid. I thought Shelly was was so cool. I thought she was like one of the best skiers ever. And and I think that was like a good way to 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 grow up, you know, like I really Mm -hmm. didn't see it as just like a, a man's world. Like it's you know, as you grow up you get exposed to things the way they are but but actually Hmm. you know it's it's um the girls who are amazing and and and, uh, at that level it's not just like the little girls that have an effect on it's also the little guys as well like I remember that very distinctly as a a kid yeah um how cool I thought Shelly was so yeah I think it's really awesome uh that you bring that up
2: I think I I remember um, meeting Shelley and, you know, when you're, you're, well, for me, I was, i just finished university. I had no money. I, I think I had straight skis. Like it was 19, uh, it was the year 2000. So really just, you know, parabolics were just coming in. I borrowed my my brother's (laughs) skis and and he wanted them straight back after the, uh, the hiring clinic. And uh, I remember meeting Shelly and and Liz and you don't meet, you know, they just were doing their thing, being all bright and shiny. And I used to think, oh, if I could just like get my level four and be like a little bit like that, that would be awesome. You know, so having those little goals, right. So I got my level four and then I was like, oh God, if I could like be an examiner, that would also be pretty cool, you know, and then I'm an examiner and then I thought, oh, I'm going to give the demo team a crack, (laughs) you know. (laughs) <laughs> then before I know it, we're on the demo team and 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 the heli guiding and and uh you know and that that definitely but the guiding was really interesting because <clears throat> like I said before, learning um, you know, the language of the mountains a little bit and getting out there and um you know, crevasse rescue and all this crazy stuff that we do. Um it's more around um rescue stuff and awareness stuff but you also have to be this really fun person to to ski with and and you're in this amazing environment but things things go wrong you know and there are some really really tough days out there sometimes um in the helicopter but you know it was that experience that gave rise to doing the similar thing around Whistler and then I was doing it in the Maldives (laughs) Like, you know, literally, okay, we're going to port the anchor and we're leaving this world-class wave and we're going to go down there to that world-class wave. And, you know, and then I was in Japan um, doing this, yeah, some more backcountry stuff, really more more hiking. But I think just, you know, stay curious. You always say in your videos, Tom, I, I like that, you know, just that that notion of like what if, you know, what if you could do that? What if you were just there on your level one with your brother's skis, you know, in the last ski suit that your parents bought you when you were 15 or something, you know, getting ready to, to take a couple of years off. But what if it ended up being more? What if you ended up moving to the States or Austria or, you know, running a kids program? There's there's a lot um, There's a lot of opportunity out there if you are willing. And this is the other part as well. If you're willing to take on the expat life which I think, you know, Sam, you're loving it over there. And yep. I have tried not to be an expat. <laughs> it just didn't work. And um, I don't know if I'm like the absolute definition of, a, of an expat, but I think in the last uh, 22 years or so, I've lived in Australia for about three of them, maybe three or four mm-hmm. yeah. full time. So, um, cool. Lots of returning home, but that's another thing. Like a lot of women, sort of the homing signal goes off, and they feel like they want to go go back and get their house yeah. going and, and start a family. But we all know people in the industry that have done that with their kids, you know, while still doing the back to back winters. It's incredible. It is. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. one of the, I'm
0: one of those kids.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah to, that's right. You that. you like, that. You're a love
1: child yeah. of that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> love totally child. That.
0: I, my I question for you, my, Sam. My, oh yeah. i oh, go ahead actually first, my first summer. First, yeah. The first summer I ever had in my life was in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mom <I'm a> <laughs> and Dad. And I love genuinely to take mean me thanks because <laughs> I've had it, I've just had it so good, you know. But but it's funny, right? Because it's it's like southern hemisphere skiers that do that, right? The northern hemisphere yeah. skiers. They're not, they're not going to Australia and stuff every season. <laughs> like people who work like Southern Hemisphere skiers like us, were the ones who go back to back to back to back. Um, and, and I realized that during that summer, I was like, I was like, holy crap. Like this is the first summer of my life. I realized like halfway through. Um,
1: so yeah, there you go. I just say something quick, quickly on that too. Cause you know, here we are three, three Australians Mm. Uh, doing this, making a life in the ski industry still. And I think there's something to like your environment. We all grew up in the Southern hemisphere and the, and the challenges that come with that when you love skiing also bring about like make or break you, like do you do what you need to do to make it and accelerate faster? So, I mean, I started later. I didn't do, I grew up cross-country skiing. I only started downhill skiing at like age 21 but when I got into it, it was just back, 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 back and forth, doing the work and yeah, just finding every single ounce of knowledge and time to train to get better. And I think that environment encourages you a bit like, you know, the soccer has been on at the moment. People that, are, that have to play in these small backyards, learned great dribbling skills because they don't have a big open field with great grass and everything's cushy. They have to do it in a constraint yeah. like the challenges bring out the best in you so anyway i just think it's interesting with the, the southern hemisphere thing you're mentioning there
2: uh, that's so uh, true absolutely. and
0: actually to i mean to, to give us a plug right i i think that <laughs> you know the apsi it just punches so far above its weight uh when it comes to like how good the skiers are that they that they churn out and i think a part of that is like. You know, there's like the most diehard skiers on the planet are probably Aussie because going back to yeah. that, back. To that, you know, which is like such a yeah. funny thing to think about. But like, I, I do remember, like speaking of everyone you spoke, you brought before, you know, Shelley and like, or like, you know, all these other incredible skiers on that uh, demo team, especially 2011 when you guys were all in St. Anton. Like that was a world class demo team, like unbelievable, and and it stayed at a yeah. very high. Um, uh, like very high, or how do you call it, on um, level since then? Calibre, so, I mean, that was yeah. incredible. Yeah. I'm um, sorry, Dinozel, what was your question before?
2: Well, I, because I, you know, it's interesting because, like, let's talk about you, Sam.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have my turn. All right. Talking about, <laughs> I have um, skied with your dad, obviously, lots and lots, and I have partied with your mum before. Oh my gosh. She is fun.
0: <laughs> She's <laughs> going to love to hear this. All right. Oh
2: um but yeah what an experience for you to grow up with that as well and and I, i'm interested to hear a little bit about how um cuz when i got into the ski industry i was alistair clay's sister he's younger than me <laughs> my brother and he is a legend um and he does a lot of bumps coaching still now um but i had just gotten in and i was alistair clay's sister and it stayed that way for a while and then he left for a while and then he came back and then he was demelza clay's brother So I reckon when I knew you, you probably don't remember as much because you're a teenager. You're pretty. I was taller than you. I'm just gonna say that Um, (laughs) you were. (laughs) You were Robbo's son, Tim Robbo's son. But I reckon now, um, I reckon now, you your dad is is.
1: Is Sam's dad?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and just oh, I don't you know, know. I don't know about sometimes that, being I <laughs> growing up in growing up in the shadow of such a great, um, you know, like technical master. I mean, I don't know how old was he in two thousand and eleven. He was like,
0: oh uh, yeah, he would have, have been um a very early uh, fifties, 50. one, fifty. Um, let's skin. see, let's see. I, I can tell you exactly. It would have been fifty four.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. yeah yeah
1: yeah so unbelievable and we yeah. all and we all looked at him as like you know pretty much the the picture i can even remember riley yeah. saying i just want to go follow tim and <laughs> just like like his short turns and yeah we all really yeah. admired tim skiing but sorry so go ahead sam
0: yeah it's it's actually an interesting one because like, i remember um so i mean there's different uh i guess you know it depends like what you want right like dad is such an incredible technical skier um and and I think what's cool about him is that he has the same story as Tom he didn't start skiing until he was 21 and Mm. just like became such a devoted like almost like priest (laughs) of the sport you know (laughs) and it's just been his entire life since and now I guess he's done he just did his 45th season at Threadbow. So he's the longest serving instructor in Threadbow. Um oh. and you know I'm so lucky to be his son in that way because you know oh. I mean who knows what I would have done with my life. Like I've lived an incredibly oh. uh, privileged life to, to grow up with something like skiing. And oh. um and I think I'm still Robo's son. I was back in Threadbow in, in July for the first time in five years. And I reckon I'm still definitely Robo's son because it seems like you know everybody knows him. Even yeah. the new the new people on the ski school, they're all like, "Oh, they that worked. old guy rips eh? Um And there was a really like maybe I uh, I can tell this. i just won't say any names. In fact, I don't know the names. Um, you'll you guys will like this though. So dad, you know he coaches the um, level four race, and he usually takes out the uh, and he's he's still doing level four coaching in threadburn cool. and there was. Uh, A new person who was new this season, and they um, they got put in Dad's group, right? So they go out there. It's level four race coaching that Dad's taking, and and she uh, went back and said to Matt Smith, who's the director there, like the training director. She said, "Who's this old guy? Like I should, you know, you should put me in a group with a good skier. Like I don't want to be coached by this old fart. Like more or less." And, and, and then Matt Smith said to, said to this person, if you can beat him in the course, I will pass you uh, without, without having to do the, the exam. <laughs> and, and I, think, and, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if that's verbatim, but, but it was something along those lines. And, uh, you know, they all went out and they saw dad go first. And at least if there's, there's one thing about dad, you know, his knees aren't great. He has trouble walking these days not really like oh. but you know he's 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 not going to go for a sprint he's not going to go running but Dan those knees work for skiing still like he still has yeah. such an amazing touch and apparently you know he went touch. down and um and oh. uh you know raised a few eyebrows and, and and um apparently she was really happy to be in this group after that so oh. I mean that just kind of goes to <clears throat> goes to show like he's still has that kind of um, like mm-hmm. almost has like a really a real presence on skis. It's not just like, hey, mm-hmm. his technique is like this. He, you know, he, you you go down and he really does uh, turn heads. And mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. very humble. He never he never uh, coached me unless I wanted to be coached. Um, he never went out of his way to like force me to do anything to do with skiing. Um, you know, he respected my my passion and love for it, and I think that's why I'm also in the industry as well so yeah, yeah.
1: good point hey I think yeah. there was the mentioned something about straight skis your dad also mm. would have started out on straight skis and I remember like this does come up from time to time so like like mm. early on we're sort of focusing on some fundamentals in the academy and a big mm. lack of skill you could say is being able to kind of steer the ski which is like edge it and guide it with, with the lower body a little bit. Do you want to Demelza speak to that fact and maybe just bring up what you're, what you're seeing with, with people skiing and, and this fundamental sort of lack of skill there. If you know what my yeah, question I think, is around.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, so I grew up on straight skis as well, but I feel like, as the ski technology continues to change, and it's still changing, um, you get a lot of people who will only ski on like an early rise, um, very quite a fat powder ski. Um, It's not until they decide to do some instructor training that they all of a sudden end up on something like um, that. And I feel like as a skill, it's almost like... um, you know languages how they get forgotten like latin doesn't get spoken anymore and there are certain dialects of you know indigenous australian languages it's it's sort of like it's a skill that's being watered down a lot and the importance of it is is um it's not it's not it's not losing its importance in our world it's usually important but for people who ski outside of um a disciplined ski world, whether you're training instructor levels or just wanting to become a more technical skier or racing, it's it's there. But the difference when I was a kid is everyone could turn their skis really well. You had to, otherwise you would fall over, you know, mm. if you did the thing that a lot of people are doing these days. And I also think that there is a shift in the subculture of free riding and free skiing as well. Like there are a lot of people who ski the way that they do um, functionally for uh Jumping and spinning and and slope uh, slope style, so it's kind of interesting. But at the end of the day, when it comes to one of the biggest jobs that we have, um, when people come to us and they're like, "Yeah, I want to learn to rip," we have to teach them to turn their leg and and steer the ski and and these small things that are hard to detect to the untrained eye when they start out. They are the things that make. All the big differences. Um, And I think honestly, like the improvements that I've seen in some of the students and athletes that you've been working with for a while, because we're able to break things down so in such a detailed way, if they require it, I feel like the change is really pronounced. You know, for the amount of time I've spent communicating with that person through the app or you know, compared to being on the snow, sitting on the chairlift, up and down, up and down, stop over here. Okay, we're just going to do a minute of talking. Got to keep it moving. Everyone wants to keep skiing. You know, like that's a really um, important uh, instructional experience as well and a a coaching coachee experience. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of the heavy lifting is done um, when you're able to sit down and break things down a little bit. Like I said, yeah. you know, the, the brain doesn't have the totally. trees whizzing past. We can focus on exactly what it is. And how many times have I seen an athlete write down in our groups? Oh, I really see what you mean now. I'm going to go practice. Done. You know, and that's that's the, um, that's the stuff, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. Especially
0: when you're saying that, how many times have I seen that? And it's been three weeks. I mean, yeah. yeah like <laughs> it just goes to show. I mean, it yeah. is it is pretty pretty damn phenomenal um Uh, actually was uh, like there's something i just wanted to bring up as well just going back to the uh the season chat and like kind of even reminded me when you when you were chatting about oh like kind of the ancient like the lost art of turning a straight ski and stuff um what i really appreciate about uh you guys is and and i think that this is important for our students and so on right is so like i've been lucky i grew up skiing my entire life um but i've learned Uh, and this also goes to just learning, learning, learning. I've learned so much about my skiing from listening to folks like you. Because, so for example, Tom not skiing until he was 21. I think that number one, like you have a completely different perspective on skiing, but also Mm. um, it does show our students that you don't have to be the lucky Aussie kid who grew up doing back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back seasons. And so on yeah. and and also I can say for myself you know if I didn't work with folks like both of you and those in the APSI and so on I never would have learned how to be a good coach right there's a mm. lot of people that like you know you kind of assume oh you'd be a good coach but and they've skied their entire life but actually um you know if you want to be someone that's really pedagogic it, it actually can help to, to have started later as well so mm. um yeah, I just thought that was a just kind of an interesting point. And like it just uh, came over mm. me again when you were describing, Demel, just like even in your experience, like something going from like growing up skiing on straight skis, uh, you know how even some of that skill still translates to what we need to do today as well, right. and how then you're like even taking some of that speaking to yeah. out to the clients with, uh, you know, to the athletes and clients yeah. with it uh, about it. So, <clears throat> yeah.
2: I, I think, think Sam, it it's really be interesting
0: because
2: yeah. totally, like I think, um, you know, when I was coaching, I didn't coach race skiers forever in Australia, but I definitely, you know, did it. And there'd be quite a few of the young racers who had gone through those early years of fists. and, okay, this is, this is not working out for me. I'm not going to keep doing, but they'd get into coaching and we'd be like, oh, God, here we go, you know, because the best mm. skier... That comes out of the race squad is not normally the best coach and it's it's a humility thing again you know I don't need to learn all this Like, and I spend a lot totally. of time teaching kids how to steer I'm like you wrecking you edge this is great it's fantastic you can edge now let's learn how to to steer and, and do this and and at the start they'd be like oh I could tell they weren't liking it but then when they realized how those skills would translate to the whole mountain and and what you could do in know, <laughs> racing as well. So as a credit to yeah. you, Sam, you've been able to remain open minded and curious about what the instruction pathway you know can can offer you because that's not always the case. You know, the best skier doesn't always end up to be um, the best instructor. And for Tom, like mm. um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed watching uh, as your career has progressed because you know, Tom was on telemarks when we were on the the demo team together. He was, he was telling Tom. And when Tom would start skiing down the hill, people would just stop what they were doing and watch. They'd be like, Oh my God, how does he do that? And at that point in time, you're also getting really frothy on, on um, not freeing your heel on on getting into Alpine. Right. And (laughs) Watching you and, uh, you know, the other two, uh, I mean, everyone had a great time into in, in ski, but watching um, yourself and Paul and Riley, the way you applied yourself is was just phenomenal. Like you guys um, have just, you know, your whole, um, you said I think in one of your little uh, bits of content that I watched last night, it's like you probably think about skiing too much. But, you know, it's to your credit because you've just completely immersed yourself in it and and that's what has um, helped you to develop into the professional that you are today. You know, a lot of people get stale and they get stale for good reasons. It's hard working back-to-back seasons, in and out with all the accommodation and the the, uh, visas and the job insecurity and all those things that can happen. But um, it's been so cool uh, because... you know, when you were telemarking as well, when you, when you would, um, I don't know if I can tell, tell this publicly, I'm sure I can, but remember you used to rotate really badly when you were doing your short terms, and you were like, I'm going to fix this. And, and, uh, you don't
1: rotate anymore <laughs> yeah yeah So
0: all the work and it's just been
2: so cool to, uh, <laughs> oh no to it's out your... tom used to rotate it's out i <laughs> used to rotate everyone like really badly
1: <laughs> yeah do you know what when i when i uh was going through my alpine levels and was like working on fixing that i don't remember this because i'd had a lot of drinks i'd just passed my CSIA level three and i was in the bar, at Long John's in Silver Star, and apparently I was up on the table, and I said with an expletive, "I am going to f and ban ban the word rotation and allow anyone to do that now," because <laughs> I was so over being like, "Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's allowed." Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, but I don't remember uh-huh. doing <laughs> that. <laughs> oh it is God. allowed
0: that's good yeah, hey, uh, that's
2: just,
0: i was gonna say just coming back to some actual ski chats uh because we're all frothers <laughs> and so on danelza i love, uh, i reckon our listeners would love to hear like what is you're working on your own skiing you know um because i mean you're a pretty <laughs> you're a pretty damn awesome skier and, you know, you even just added Tom, it's like, it wasn't always perfect and Tom is still <laughs> working on the skiing every day. But like, you know, it, it, it's funny right? because you think, yeah. like you say, like, oh, you know, Tom, he, he started skiing with him when he was 21. He was on the telly uh, demo team or he's mm-hmm. on the demo team for telly. It's easy to think like, oh, well, maybe Tom's just an athletic freak and so on. But actually, you know, it's it, there's more than that. Like, you know, everybody goes through those times where they, uh, Get, totally. get over big hurdles and so on and that and that and we're always working on stuff and as you said you're always learning so i'd love to hear uh what are yeah. you working on right now
2: well so i blew my knee about <clears throat> two and a half years ago september 2020 so i ended up here just through the pandemic i was in canada after all the years of being away i came back and the pandemic happened i was basically on holiday, and. Uh, before I knew it, I'd blown my knee dirt biking, so I didn't do it skiing. And I worked my butt off and I got back on skis um, about four months later. And I did a, uh, I followed the Melbourne ACL rehabilitation criteria-based um, return to sport protocol. If you're interested, um, we can put a, a, a link to that. It's a public resource because uh, Melbourne is the ACL rehabilitation capital of the world. Did you know that? I didn't know. There you go. Uh, Anyway, so that has been my main focus. So my first season I did um, from month four to month six, really gentle biomechanically, like there was, I was staying centered. There was no leaning back, but I was, you know, because I obviously had a pretty fresh graft. And then my second season, I was Really strong, And I was uh, definitely looking better, but technically my graft hadn't healed until 24 months, which was only the September just gone. So <clears throat> this season now, oh gosh, after all these years of, um, of being on the snow and I've never really had any massive injuries, I'm now learning what it's like to be injured. And just knowing that there's that one little part of your body that may or may not, um, you know, rake again. So I've been working on my head game a little bit and I've just been trying to probably just push myself back into those levels of, of um, dynamic skiing and, and flow that I wouldn't have had the confidence to do those previous two years. Uh, my left hip started rotating a few years ago, because of all the surfing, so I'm a rotator as well. I had a like a hip hike um, thing going on, and you know, after the surgery, my my ACL surgery, my whole right hand side of my body just got really stiff. And um, so, really, I mean, I'm I'm 44, and I'm I think I'm pretty sort of fit and active, but I'm now feeling pretty humble about the fact that we have to take care of my body. And for anyone who is younger than me <laughs> or older, it doesn't matter, like, you know, take, take care of your body, like do the mobility, do the stretches, look at some of the resources on um, BPS Library and, and do that stuff. So, um, yeah, my focus right now is just to sort of even out a few of those. Uh, I feel stiff in my skiing and um I'm working on a, a different like a little bit more hip counter when I'm like down in my lowest spot. I'm gonna send you guys some videos actually. But I'm cool. always working on my skiing. I think the best skiers I know are always working on, on their skiing. So it's it's fun. And I think I, what I what I realize now about skiing um coming from the surf world, that I just I dove right into the surf world. I got, you know just went full mermaid style for a while there because surfing gets talked about as a lifestyle and an art form. You know, it's not just a sport. And I think skiing is exactly the same way. Um, we don't have to all ski the exact same way. It it can be a way we sort of express ourselves, the way we like to move on the snow. And maybe we want, we want to let the arms kind of like fly up a little bit or, um, get into the powder and it doesn't have to be this really like regimented like thing that um, sometimes it can appear that way for people. So I like to um, try and communicate to that, to people who are trying to to bring more discipline into their skiing. The discipline doesn't mean they have to become a carbon copy yep. of whoever they are watching, you know, um, yep. and being able to take all the things that you're learning to the shoot, or the powder run, or into the mogul line, like that's why we're doing this, right? And and yeah. feeling good about that run, and feeling safe, and and knowing that I you think, can still, yeah.
1: I think I think it's just uh, I think that's a really important point because I'm listening to this book called The Art of Learning by a guy Josh Waitzkin who was world chess champion and then later on world champion at something called push hands Tai Chi, which is sort of like a martial arts. So so seemingly two different things, like a very mental game and, and then a more physical one, but really he talks about learning and what he's learned from mastering these two things. And at this point he's really emphasizing, I don't think like people don't do the basics and the fundamentals enough which is, I guess what you're saying that it's not being stiff and robotic. It's really being like curious and, in, and like taking an in-depth approach to see like at a really slow speed, can I make such a really nice, like arced turn with just the right amount of edge, the balance in the right spot, the the gradual turning and sort of like pay attention to what's going on there and and build up from there because the champions can all kind of do that. And they've gone through working on that sort of stuff. And that gives them the ability to be creative thereafter. So I think it's important, like, like for me, I distinguish that like robotic sort of stuff as I would, I would describe it more as like taking the time to really take away a lot of the the factors, go to easier terrain, go slower, make a you know less performancey turn and then see if you can get everything right in that and then and then move up because I think mm-hmm. social media and all these sorts of things like and, and I'm a culprit of it. I put out there like what looks flashy and good but I don't put out there all the hours like skiing even at the moment with Archie yeah. Young like every I'm, I'm watching him but I'm working on my skiing in mm-hmm. snowplow and stuff behind him um anyway yeah like i I was going to say my question to you, because you, we, we've been teaching javelin turns this last week, which is like a drill. You can look it up on YouTube, but basically a really good steering balance sort of drill, turning the leg drill. You've been back out there doing them again, probably for the first time in a while. What You said you had a really good self-training session the other day. What did, what did you get reminded of by going back to that yeah. drill?
2: Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of the javelins and the stalks because it's really great. I mean, that's the thing that people need to know is we 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 all work on fundamentals. Race skiers, like they get their day started, they are on the fundamental, like they're doing their fundamental exercises. So, for me, getting back into yep. javelins, I guess um, it's really helped me loosen up my hips a bit uh, and get that hip into a much better position. It's helped me to. Um, it's actually, you know, all of that uphill steed completion stuff. It's actually reminded me of of to to complete my turns when I'm like skiing down the face, you know, and I'm like out of control all of a sudden. I'm like, oh yeah, I've got to, you know, got to hook the little toe type of thing. So it's just such a um, complex uh skill set isn't it skiing across all the terrain and everything that we we do um so it's mm. been really nice to, to jump in and I'm kind of like a I feel like sometimes demonstration skiing is like uh dressage I used to compete on horses you know through my uh younger years we lived on a farm and everything show jumping and it's like all the demonstration and the fundamentals work we do is like dressage <laughs> you know on the horse when you horse people will get that so it's just slowing everything down and helping you to to all of those uh, areas that need improvement will just come. They become highlighted when when we're doing that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I've. Um, yeah. It's reminded me, of, yeah, which leg is weaker, which one is stronger,
1: and slow yeah, it down enough funny, that you uh... can actually fix it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think. Um, just on that note, like what's funny is like you know Tom was saying like yeah like on on well on the big picture skiing instagram like we post a lot of videos of us ripping around what's cool about that is like you know people like those and then they they get introduced to us Mm -hmm. and then we have other clips where it's like just us doing slow drills and so on and and, and if they like that then maybe they want to explore further with us you know but but of course is like the cool skiing is is definitely the coolest but you know as tom was saying like we're all working uh, and and you said this is well, and I was like, like we're all working on slow stuff as well. Um, I I have this very distinct memory of uh, Paul Lorenz giving me a mark on my snowplow, my level one, and I just come from the world championships like a couple months before, and he was just he was just like, dude, this is shit, <laughs> like, you know, like and, and he was like, that's not gonna pass the exam, and I was, and he was like, you know, you you're really upright in the body and like awkward and and. I was just kind of like, I was like, "Can I really not snowplow? Like, what the, <laughs> what the yeah, you know?" And and then oh, also, um, yeah, and and at the same time, I remember that exact same season, Dad coming in one day and saying, "He's like Sam, I totally just made a breakthrough on my snowplow," <laughs> 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 you know, and like, you're you know, my so, hero, so, so, Dad. You
2: know,
0: yeah, I mean, there's a guy who would have been doing it for you know, like yeah, I guess. 30 whatever years at that point, and still working on the yeah. snowplow. Um, and and you know, Paul Paul Lorenz, who's yeah. like obviously, you know, people love watching his short turns on YouTube or wherever. I mean, it's like if you, I feel like if you've seen, uh, you know, if you follow us, then you've probably seen his short turns around, and mm-hmm. and, and it's not, but it's like not the only thing they're doing, right? Like, it, it's just right down from the fundamental level. And, like, I remember, just gave me a, an, an intense appreciation for how mm. difficult it is to get the slow stuff right i just did a bunch of stuff a bunch of hockey turns with one of our uh like a guys in person the other day who's gonna you know it's gonna come out as a video soon on the website a hockey stop progression for short turns, and damn like my hockey stop is just it's you know it's good enough but it's just not that good you know like just a hockey stop mm-hmm. um there's so much to work on so yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. gotta stay, gotta stay hungry right <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. And and you know, that experience you just described of being the level one guy who's just been told his snowplows are terrible. Like that's a that's a world that people live in. And and after coming out of the ski industry and into that, you know, learning all of the mindset stuff and how to create change and engage future uh, you know, move move towards thinking and, and uh problem solution finding. Um, quite often you get people at the beginning of their levels and they're just like, this is too hard. This is too hard and I keep failing and and so they, they move on. But I think one of the things that I've always really tried to emphasize, like I'd be doing, um, what was the, Oh yeah, I'd be teaching steering or no hip position. I always taught hip position, which comes out in everything, you know, as you know. And I'm like, hey, do you guys know why we're learning to do this? And they're like, to pass the exam. And I'm like, no, because we're gonna go ski that <laughs> shoot up there and you're not gonna fall over. It's gonna be great. Trust me, you're not gonna rotate, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna feel really safe. And they'd be like, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Okay, we're gonna let's 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 listen to her, you know. <laughs> just remembering where all these fundamentals sometimes they can get a little overwhelming because it's this big world that um it's where it's, it's where we cultivate change but take those new feelings and go out and free ski and have fun with them you know I think a lot of people can get really really I chatted to one of the um your athletes when I first got involved after my first class and they were like oh man you know it was really great to to um, hear what you sort of spoke about because I've just gotten back into skiing. I'm 35. I want to be Paul Lorenz like next week and blah, 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 blah. I'm doing nothing but watching all these videos and Tom's this and Sam's that. And and, and I was like, oh, wow, that just sounds like uh, exactly the way I was when I decided I wanted to be like Steph Gilmore at 35, get barrels, do the big top turns. Like we just have to chill a little bit, you know, it, it can't like the the improvement will come and go out and have fun with it as well like remember um why it is that we're doing this you know it's not so that we can um you know do fundamentals and and perfect looking short turns on groomed runs all the time for the video you know we yeah. do it because we love Full the nice lifestyle progression. Yep. Yeah, 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 we do it because when the yeah. powder day comes, all of a sudden I've got great core strength, I can turn my legs and I'm not, you know, doing those birds in the powder and falling over and, and not even surviving on, on one of those days. So, yeah, yeah. big picture, big picture yeah. skiing. That would be a great name for business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I, a I, good, uh, 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 good one to finish <laughs> on.
1: Yeah. Of, I'm conscious uh, of, the, of the time. I think uh, let's, let's uh, wrap it up here, but I think some, some awesome takeaways for everyone, people that are in the industry and want to like find some longevity. Hopefully there was some great takeaways there, you know, focusing on what you're moving towards as opposed to what you're moving away from working on those fundamentals, because that builds the ability to just have fun and, and, and enjoy the slopes more. Guys, I really appreciate you both spending some time chatting about this. Melza, thank you for joining the Big Picture team. And until thank next time. Thank you for time, having me. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, everyone, yes. for listening.
0: Yeah. Thanks, to Melza. So, so great having you on board. And see you all next time, everybody.
2: You're welcome. Thank you again for having me.
0: <laughs> Tom, I think that was probably my favorite podcast episode ever that, that I've done uh, with you just cause, you know, it's, it's like three coaches chatting together. It was so chilled out. And, and at the same time, kind of like almost like a motivational speech, you know, motivational seminar or, or something. Um, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, so really glad we did that one.
1: Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope it gives people an idea too, of, uh, the, the coaching we do and how we work through an online platform. If, if the things resonated with you that we talked about here, what we believe in and making people great skiers, you can find out more and have an application put in to the Big Picture Skiing Academy. Just click one of the links in the show notes below.
0: Yes. Yeah, so as Tom just explained, you have to apply for the Academy. Uh, we do have limited spots. Now we have more spots. Thanks to Danelle's being in, which we're really excited about. So please apply and if we like the look of your application and we have, we have spots, then we'll also give you a free lesson, so you can come on, see what online coaching with us is like, see if it's right for you, and we can take it from there.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now, and this year the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one I have to say I got to try it out this winter in Australia and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your Ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.